So last night, I don't know about you, I was laying in bed listening to the wind. It was a little bit blustery. Uh, we happened to live on the windward side, and it was just so crazy. I had to put earplugs in because it was so noisy. Um, and uh, um, do you guys pay attention to the wind? Like in Hawaii, we're a little bit unique because we're on an island, and so we have a, maybe we're a little more in touch with trade winds. We know when the trade winds die, we're all dying because it's so hot, sweaty. When the Kona winds come, you know, it's, you know, we always used to say growing up, oh, when the Kona winds come, you get sick because it brings that, that vog stuff over. Um, and uh, we are used to, like, our gentle trades. That's why, you know, we just love that being in Hawaii. But I'm not actually that really attuned to everything that's happening with the wind, where it's coming from, you know. Generally, it comes from the northeast. I know that. But... Most people just experience, but don't really track it. But there are a few people who do. We call those people sailors, or other people whose lives depend on the wind currents. So my husband, Jordan, is an avid sailor. He always knows what's happening with the wind. He'll stand at, you know, we, we have, we can see K-Bay from our house, so he's always looking down, and he can see the wind coming, you know, he's telling me, okay, it's going to be doing this now, or when he's out in his catamaran, it's like, okay, we're going to try to catch this here, we're going to drop back here, we're going to turn our sail here, you know, he's very, very acutely aware of what the wind is doing. And that makes sense, because if you're a sailor, your life can depend on that, as we have recently discovered uh, with some of our friends uh, sailing. Um, it helps you to win races if you can get right in the track of where the wind is going. Well, Jesus says that God's people are like those niche of people who know the wind, who track the ways of the Spirit, and that outside people kind of feel like it's mysterious. They don't really know what's going on. They just hear it. Now, do you hear the wind? Um, are you hearing what's happening in the spirit? I just love our stories today. Even a five-year-old can move with the wind. And even a tall 20-year-old can move with the wind. It's actually part of our inheritance as a people of God. So we're going to look at a passage uh, from John 3 uh, today, and it's when Jesus explains what the kingdom of God is like to someone who uh, is a teacher of uh, his people. So we have John 3, 1 to 8. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night because he was kind of afraid of being outed and having his life turned upside down. He said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God wasn't with him. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. Very truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's kind of funny. It's not Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't actually ask a question. He just sort of stated his situation. I know you're from God. It's obvious. And the question behind that question is, what am I supposed to do with you? 
What do I do? I know you're from God. And Jesus answers the question under that statement, which is um, you have to have a different kind of life. It sounds very mysterious. Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they're old? How can I have a different kind of life? I already have the life I have. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water, like carbon-based, right? And the spirit, spirit-based. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. That's the kind of new life you need to have. It's radically different. They don't actually intersect. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going because you're not tuned in yet to that spirit life. But so it is with everyone born of the spirit. People born of the spirit have a different kind of life. We're kind of used to, uh, in some places, you hear a teaching that born again means, oh, just say a sinner's prayer. You're going to say a three-minute prayer, and then you're going to have a different life. That's actually not what Jesus is saying. I hate to disappoint us. It's not that convenient. He's saying that to be in the kingdom of God, you actually have to orient yourself differently. When you say, uh, uh, God, save me, I want to follow you, Jesus, you're my savior, that's like the wedding vow, right? The life of following God and walk with him is like the marriage. It would be really silly um, if someone were to ask me about my life with Jordan for me to just focus on, oh, you know, I wore my sister's wedding dress and, the, you know, the, the bridesmaids wore dark pink, which they did, and the font on our wedding vintage was this dark pink on cream, yes, but really... Our life is about 33 years now of life together, building a life, partnering, struggling, learning together. That's the heart of having a life. And Jesus is, is saying it's not different. Life with God is living with God, and living with God is moving with the Spirit. Um, there's some, a couple things I want to talk about, about how we can walk in that life and actually have the kingdom life uh, of God, the one that gives us entrance to all the, 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 the restoration of our design in God's kingdom. Um, and the first thing I want to say is that the pure of heart have an easier time with this. Illustration, Kate Roberts, she's five. She has no filters. She's living um, a life where she doesn't have a lot of things she's holding on to. She has a singleness of spirit. And I want to just say that it really helps in following the spirit to have a, a purity of heart like that. Jesus says elsewhere that the kingdom of heaven belongs to kids. You have to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And why is that? Because you're going to have an idea about a lady that you've never met and you're going to draw her, and then you're going to tell your parents, I want to give my money to her. That takes kind of a lot of, of freedom. And kids and the pure of heart have that characteristic which allows them to move with the spirit in that way. 
Um, second, second thing I'd like to say is that as the Holy Spirit gives us a different kind of life, a kingdom life, um, not only does it help to be pure in heart, but to allow him to enter into the key places in our life. That's where the rubber meets the road. When you're five and you don't have to worry about you know, who you're going to marry or how you're going to pay for college, it's, it's a little simpler. But as you get older, you may find, like me, that there are some key places in your life that the Holy Spirit is nudging you, is knocking at your door, is blowing. And in those places are where he wants to show up and give you a kingdom life. So I want to just tell you three uh, little stories. Uh, to me, some of the key places where I've seen God work and where I think that he may be working in your life are, are one is an area of friendship. One is an area of um, money. And one is an area of, for many of us, of romance. So first of all, here's a quick story. When Jordan and I uh, were in college, um, we first met. And I had a total crush on him from the first day I saw him. Okay, put that aside. Um, but uh, we were really good friends. We were great friends. We, were, we served together in the same Christian fellowship group on, on campus. And um, uh, we went to church together. Uh, and um, we uh, were in the same sort of classes. We inter overlapped all the time in um, different uh, community groups. And we were just growing our friendship. It looked like green lights. It was awesome. Uh, our second year, our sophomore year, when I got back to campus, I had, out of the blue, the strangest conviction that I wasn't supposed to be his friend. It was very weird. It was like, ooh, I heard that. What is that coming from? But it was probably the strongest sense I had had in my life to date of God telling me something very specific that he wanted me to do. So I called Jordan over. We got together, and I said, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Not honey. I didn't call him honey then. I don't know, dude. God is really impressing in me that we need to have some distance in our friendship. And he, I was probably like his best friend at that point, too, so it was really awkward. It was kind of confusing. But we both really wanted to press into God, and so he agreed. And we spent the next, like, seven or eight months, like, having a very awkward, distant relationship <laughs> because all of our friends were still the same. We're in the same community. We're just, like, walking to room and go, hi. And then we would, like, you know, not be able to share and talk because that was what, what I felt like God was saying. And there was no rationale. God didn't say, this is what's going to happen and this is how long it's going to be. I just was moving with the Spirit, trying to follow that nudge. Um, during that time, uh, in retrospect, I understand so much more. Uh, we, uh, for, for one thing, we learned how to be awkward in following God together. And that became very helpful because the rest of our life has been very awkward and trying to do things that people don't understand, inexplicable things. This is why our church exists here like this, right? Um, and uh, it was perfect training for the rest of our lives. Aside from that, um, God did a lot of stuff, especially in Jordan's life. He got very involved with a great group of men. Uh, they, you know, without any knowledge from me, because it was really important that I not know anything was going on with him, uh, he got involved with this awesome group of men, kind of like Brian Garris' men's group, 
plug for Brian Garris. Um, and they did a lot of uh, inner healing work together. They worked on family trauma. Uh, they did a lot of, kind of like Sozo, they did a lot of um, uh, looking back and praying and releasing to God things that were holding them up. They also discovered the Holy Spirit. Jordan started attending uh, this brand new church that had opened up in San Jose. We were in the, in the Northern California area called the San Jose Vineyard. And that was his um, first experience he's talked about in church of walking in and hearing for the first time somebody from the front saying, oh, I have a word of knowledge. You're, this, man, this man has an ear problem. God wants to heal you. That was his first encounter with an active uh, uh, interacting with the Holy Spirit in real time. Um, in church. And that began kind of a charismatic renewal in our school uh, fellowship group. And it became a, a really important building block for the rest of our journey. I mean, for a lot of you know that the Blue Water basically has that DNA. Uh, we, we push into uh, sort of following God naturally, supernaturally. And that's a vineyard thing. Uh, we're actually on our way to joining the Vineyard Association of Churches. Um, but all of that kind of happened in that period of me following the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Um, now, it isn't always that easy to go where God is calling you. Like, for me, for some reason at that time, even though it hurt, even though it was confusing, it was kind of easy because it was just me. I was just me making a decision. I'm not supposed to be your friend. And that's kind of simple. Um, I want to share with you another area where it hasn't been that simple for me and sort of confessional um, uh, is actually in the area of money. So that's another a key place in our life. Now, when Jordan and I uh, were younger, it was actually quite easy to follow the leading of the Spirit with money because it was just us and a, and a dog and a cat. When we moved back to Hawaii and we got a mortgage and we had two kids, it was a little bit harder to go with the flow of the Spirit. And it's embarrassing to admit, but there was a time when, you know, I really got afraid. And I started to, like, think, I have to figure this out. And I don't know, I don't think I can tithe right now. Like, this is like, uh, I just started shifting. I was becoming, moving into a more carbon-based existence and less in the Spirit-centered existence. And I really struggled with that. Um, and, okay, this is not a secret plea for you to support the church, okay? This is more about what was happening to me um, as I began to resist God in the area of my life. It's like by little bits of, oh, this part is off limits. The wind of the Spirit can work over here, but not over here. When we have little areas, we start to like, oh, not this one, Lord, not this thing right here, you know? What that actually does is that builds in us a slow lukewarmness, a, a growing distance between us and our ability to follow and walk with the Lord. Um, thankfully, God is very awesome. And he kept blowing at me. He would send me people with testimonies. Or I'd be listening to a podcast and I'd hear about, you know, the freedom of trusting God with your money, you know. Uh, and, and I finally um, realized that the, the real danger was that I was growing hard in my heart in this area. And that's a slippery slope. One area leads to another. It's kind of like, you know, 
You know how people cook frogs? They put them in a pot and they turn the water on and it just slowly kills them. And they don't know what's going on, right? And that's what happens when we resist the Holy Spirit, little by little, until we're dead. So before I died, I made a decision to jump out of the pot. Thankful, praise God. And I said, okay, Lord, no more excuses. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to tithe in this particular issue, area that's a practical way. I'm going to trust you with my money. Um, but, but Lord... Now I feel so terrible because, like, I owe you so much money. <laughs> How am I going to pay that all back, you know? And I just want to tell you what I heard the Lord say. It was so sweet. I felt like he, this, like, voice came to my, my brain that said, it's okay, just start from where you're at. Isn't that good? Like, when we are off track with the Holy Spirit, he's not really worried about our mess-ups. He's really concerned about our grow-ups. He's like, okay. Now grow up. And uh, I want us to think about moving with the Spirit in that way. He's growing us up. And he, it's not actually that concerned that we get it all right. He just wants us to stick with him. That's the main point. So I talked about friendship. I talked about money. And I want to talk thirdly about something that affects so many of us and so many people that we love. And that is actually romance. I had... Um, uh, it's a powerful thing. Would you, is it not? Woo! I um, had the pleasure of hanging out a week ago with a, a dear friend of our family, um, a young woman named Anna, and she was hanging out at the house with me for a day. And she told me the story, which she said I could share with you. Um, because I think it's um, just super practical. Um, so I've known Anna since she was also young. Uh, we, she grew up in the church, and her parents are dear friends of ours. She also you know, knew Jesus from a young age, lovely, smart, beautiful girl. And uh, she went away for college right about the time COVID hit. Now, in that situation, she felt so isolated. She felt so lonely. Her church shut down. Her family was far away. And... In desperation, she just looked for a community. She ends up going into a martial arts club that remained open during the lockdowns. And she met a really kind group of people. She also met a very strong and ebullient and welcoming young man. Uh, she told me, Auntie Sonia, I heard the voice of God. I knew that God was saying, don't get involved romantically. But I was so lonely. And he was so nice, and the affection I felt from him really met me, and I just decided to ignore God. I made a choice to not listen. And the further on she got into the relationship, the more she had to disassociate in her mind so there wasn't so much conflict. She ended up uh, just walking away from Jesus. She ended up moving in with him. Um, and the her community became this martial arts club, and they didn't even know that she had a Christian background. Um, and in order for her to maintain uh, her boyfriend's affection toward her, she really had focused on his dreams, and she lost her own dreams. Um, she almost quit college. She found herself doing multiple loads of laundry for him every day 
because he was an avid martial artist. And she began to fund uh, some of uh, his needs to attain his dreams. Um, she became super depressed. Then one day, she was sitting in a cafe journaling, and a stranger came up to her and said to her, I have a message from God for you. And that person said to her, your dreams are God's dreams. And it, it was like it gave her a chance to jump out of the pot. It was the key. It was a turning point for her. She had gotten so far down the road that she had begun to need to believe that God wants to take everything good from you. And here was the message coming back to say, no, God wants to give you everything good. And his dreams are your dreams. It gave her the courage to go back to her boyfriend, and she set some personal boundaries. It did not go well. That started the beginning of a slow and painful breakup, and it was super messy and super awkward. But it also signaled the beginning of her coming back into listening to the voice of God and having a kingdom life again. Um, God started to blow fresh winds into her life. Uh, a, uh, a prophetic a friend of hers said, I think that you're supposed to go to Kyoto. And God started reminding her that she had passions for the country of Japan when she first started college. She had kind of left those behind. When this person said, you should go to Kyoto, she acted on that nudge of the spirit. She went to Kyoto for five days. The first day in her hostel, she bumped into a man who was a tech startup executive who happened to be part of the same high school group that she had been part of, uh, international high school. Three consecutive days, she bumped into the same person in random places in the city. By the time she left Kyoto, by the time she left Japan, she had a tentative job offer uh, to work in Japan. Well, Anna finished college a month ago, and she is starting uh, this brand new job working in a, a really interesting situation where she incorporates her a college degree with the passion she has for Japan. And, and best of all, she is back listening to God, and she knows that if she follows the wind of the Spirit, uh, she's going to uh, be rich and alive. Isn't that so cool? Um, following the wind of the Spirit in real time is what we're talking about. Listening to the nudges, knowing oh, how, how fast is that wind coming? Uh, what's God doing? What is God maybe doing here? Oh, he's saying you need to surrender this healing. Oh, um, you're, that lady is standing next to the bathroom door. Like, they're little nudges in real time. In the Gospels, we see Jesus doing that all the time. He stops, he plans his day based on what he sees the Father doing, and that's what he is inviting us to do. He actually says, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are moving with the Spirit. 
in that way. I, I would be so bold as to say that that's really what he's saying. He's talking about knowing God is to move with the Spirit. It's as we spend time in worship or praying or reading the scriptures that we grow in sensitivity to the Spirit. Now, if you're Kate Roberts and you're five and you have no filters, it's going to be a lot easier. But we're, we're older. We've got a lot of stuff in here. We've got to kind of clear our brains. We kind of need to take intentional time to grow in sensitivity to the Spirit. Um, one of the early... Uh, Founders of the Vineyard Movement, uh, well, he's most known for the Vineyard Movement, is John Wimber. And John Wimber was known for a massive healing ministry. But he said when they first started to pray, they didn't see a lot of healings. But it was as they grew sensitive to like, oh, God's saying this, God's saying this, God's saying this, they saw many, many more healings. It's as we're sensitive to God, we begin to be able to do all the cool stuff. Now, Jesus has some pretty intense things to say about the importance of listening to God in the long run. But uh, I want to I paint a scenario for you. How would you feel if you sat down at CPK and um, the waiter came up to you and said, oh, ma'am, um, ma'am, I, may I take your order? And you said, oh, um, I would really like to have a barbecue chicken pizza. And she said, okay, I'll be right back. Well, she returns, or he returns, but he's got a chocolate sundae. And he says, ma'am, ma'am, I, I really love desserts, so I brought you this amazing sundae. It's made with haagen ice cream. I know you'll love it. Well, you'd be shocked, and you'd say, I didn't order that. I want a pizza. So then... Um, he comes back, and he's got a Waldorf salad. So, you know, fresh, green, and, and um, he says, ma'am, uh, you really like this salad because you also should eat more greens, and your cholesterol is a little high. <laughs> You'd be like, what nerve? That's not what I wanted. So he goes away, and he comes back with six complimentary plates of bread and olive oil. And he says, ma'am, ma'am, I am doing you a favor because now your meal will be completely free. Well, that's not what you came to the restaurant for. You wanted a barbecue chicken pizza, right? That waiter would lose his job. He'd be sent away from the restaurant because you are the all-important customer and you were not listened to you were not seen, you were not known, there was a major disconnect. And connection was the waiter's main job. Well, in the kingdom of heaven, that is our main job. God is much more than a customer. He's our designer, our dad, a king who is working mercifully for our full restoration. And we're more than waiters. We're, we're servants who have been adopted as kids in the family. And connection is still our main job. So I'm going to look lastly at this uh, scripture from Matthew 7.21. And I'm hoping this little silly little metaphor will help to help unpack this. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It is who you know that matters. It's who you know. On earth, Jesus demonstrated in his life that relationship with with the Father is built on doing what the Father showed him to do. He said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. And on Judgment Day, in the final analysis, Jesus says he'll be looking for people who have that same active connection with the Father, people who did what God wanted, people with just cool accomplishments that they thought were awesome, but they don't have a relationship. I can't get around the scripture. It says they don't have a part in the kingdom of heaven. So today, I'm asking you, where is the Spirit nudging you? Where is he leading you? And what are you doing about it? Are you like me, resisting an area where God said, you can trust me, you know? Are you in a relationship that God's been saying, honey, this is not what I have for you? Are you, you know, focusing on something where God says, hey, I'm taking care of that. Come over here. I have something, I have someone I want you to talk to. What if my friend Anna, and that, what if in that cafe, that stranger had not listened to the nudge of the Spirit and came up to her and said, I've got a word for you. Do you know that the things that God tells you to do have rippling impact? They have rippling impact overseas, over generations, over countries. So those little nudges that God is giving you, you have no idea how far they're going to reach. Today, do the things that the Spirit is nudging you to do. We're going to just, would you stand and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord um, to, uh, we're going to give him some time to whisper to, to feel his breeze, to listen to what he's saying. And our prophetic guys, if you've got anything, you guys come up forward while we're doing that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've come to connect us to the Father. You've come to give us a kingdom life that's so massive, that is so beyond our carbon-based scope. Thank you that you've invited us. We want to follow the wind of your spirit. Would you speak to us right now? We're just going to take 60 seconds and listen.